Welcome everybody to a brand new Record Club episode of the Jams D Podcast, where each week we review an album that one of us recommends for the other ones to listen to, and then we fucking talk about it. And this week, we have quite the record, or should I say records, coming from Maudlin. Maudlin of the Well... (laughs) The, the precedence to K.O. Dot, whose most recent album we have covered on this, but we are talking about the point zero of K.O. Dot, which is the previous project that some of the band members were involved in, which is Maudlin of the Wells, double album, two albums, but it's a double album, Bath and Leaving Your Body Map. Yes, Maudlin of the Well, originating in Massachusetts avant-garde progressive metal act uh, have attained somewhat legendary status uh, as this kind of like short time short-lived but massively cult loved band within the fringes of the metal community within fans of these particular brands of alternative metal then you will not have to go very far in those communities to find fans of Morgan of the Well and you know it's interesting that it has this record has become this kind of cult thing that it is and this band is held in this kind of esteem as these kind of like perennially early 2000s avant progressive metal band because as you say jake uh most of the members of this band reformed to ko dot as soon as this record essentially was finished and uh, that is still an active and quite reasonably prolific project but nevertheless morden of the well despite the fact that it is essentially the kind of genesis of the project that we now know as KO Dot, does feel like it has a distinct identity. Even from the earliest KO Dot records, there is a mystique and certain qualities to this particular project that I think make it attractive and mysterious and that will help it to kind of reveal itself to you Uh, The more invested you are in it, the more time and attention and the more of yourself essentially that you give to it. Uh, It's a really fascinating project that has slowly wormed its way into the kind of front and center part of my music loving brain from listening to it, discovering it and listening to it in April, May of last year and thinking this is pretty, pretty freaking good to just eventually coming back to it more and more and kind of being seduced by its gorgeous compositions and just generally kind of beguiling sensibilities that it has. There's really interesting conceptual ideas that underpin this project that you don't necessarily need to appreciate to enjoy the music, of course, but that I think inform the listening experience of this music in ways that change it for me anyway compared to if you just treat it as you know another big ass metal record these two these projects bath and leaving your body map were released separately i think because of label demand but they are 
intended to be one singular project to the extent that uh, each album's cover art features the kind of iconography that refers to the title of the other album. So you can sort of see them together as this, these kind of projects that are folding into one another. These two albums have the same structure. They have interludes staggered across the track listing that continue counting from like one, two, three, four um, across both projects. You have beyond just that kind of surface level stuff that makes these albums sort of appear linked together. You have individual sort of identities that these records have that complement the other. I think that Bath is generally speaking the more kind of ethereal and sort of dreamlike of the two, whereas Leaving Your Body Map is slightly more aggressive and what I would term celestial at certain points. But this is, I mean, fair warning if you're opposed to like pretentious descriptions of music because it's kind of hard for me not to talk about this music and use words like celestial and shit because we're going to start creator called this astral metal well yeah which which is frankly just too cool for me to call pretentious no exactly and kind of crucial as well because essentially the fundamental core concept of this record is The idea of astral projection, the idea of leaving the body, and the idea of exploring the astral plane, the compositional, and I I can already see eyes glazing over through the computer screen, but the idea of the, uh, the way that this was composed, if you ask that kind of chief compositional artists in this project, those being Toby Driver and Jason Byron alongside guitarist Greg Massey and a number of other members of this band that will get their shout out in due time. The way this music was composed and the way that these lyrics were kind of put together is actually quite fascinating. Um, A good place to start is actually with the interludes across these two albums, because while at first they might seem like, they might still to you seem like slighter sort of pieces that bridge the more substantive and complex metal arrangements that are staggered across this project, the interludes are actually kind of at the core of what the project is compositionally and how it was made, which is to say that Toby Driver, by his own words at least, composed these interludes while dreaming, uh, while lucid dreaming. And in fact, a lot of the music and inspiration and subject matter of this record is stuff that Toby and Jason will tell you was accessed via visitations to the astral plane through the medium of lucid dreaming the astral library to be more specific. the astral library thank you yes god uh, damn does it sound like it too well yeah, yeah. And, and and i say this as someone who has never to my knowledge visited the astral library it's a real phenomenon <laughs> that people that people have reported experiencing and at least like psychologically at least it's very real uh whether or not it's metaphysically real that's a whole different question but when you listen to this record you do kind of get a sense of and i don't know how to communicate this in any other way except to say that music that's kind of channeled from some place that feels divine 
And I get how that sounds. I really do. I get that that sounds kind of ridiculous. This is fundamentally music that is made by people who picked up their instruments and composed a metal album like any fucking normal human being does who's in a band. But it feels like, and by the admission... That's that's debatable. Well, there we go. It feels like, (laughs) and by the admission of this band's leaders, it does feel like... I'm inclined to agree that in composing, it was necessary for them to compose this record for them to be able to access something that they're not able to access in typical conscious state of wakefulness. And apparently the fourth interlude across this album was completely composed while lucid dreaming. Again, I guess you kind of have to take his word for it on that. But I'm inclined to do so. I'm entranced. I'm you, I'm on board. The point is the music sounds amazing. The music sounds gorgeous. The music has these, again, sort of celestial qualities. And what I mean by that is it has these kind of fiery, burning, but also like deeply spacious and wide-reaching and kind of gorgeously uh, colorful qualities that you associate with like the world beyond our everyday lives that has these sorts of qualities that make you feel like you're experiencing or being taken to some kind of place whether real or metaphysical that is totally different from the world that you're in and what I mean by that is that every time I put this album on I often do it in the dark I often do it lying down and I swear to you I'm not in this room I'm not in the room when I'm listening to this album, it just, and I know that physically I am, I'm not trying to say that guys, I'm literally teleporting. That's not what I'm saying. I listened to this. I've seen that Bobby Hill picture. (laughs) I listened to this and it's the Bobby Hill picture. I'm going to put it on the screen right now. This is exactly (laughs) how it feels to listen to this album for two hours straight. And there's not a single moment of it that takes me out of that experience. Yeah, I mean, that's as broad of an overview as I can give without kind of getting a little bit more specific. But I think a good way to kind of lead this off would be for each of the four of us to sort of talk about general feelings about this project and general impressions upon encountering it. It's kind of impossible for me to organize my thoughts on this album. It's one I've been pretty decently familiar with for, I guess, yeah, a couple years at this point. Um. And I still haven't made up my mind on what I love the most about it. I is like the air of mystery that surrounds the entire album, even to the point where there's a, an actual puzzle that the band members made for fans to solve. And no one's ever really truly solved it yet. Or is it like, do I like the fact that I think this is maybe the best sounding album ever? Uh, most. I think every instrument sounds incredible and the growls and singing just is mixed in so perfectly i don't know where to start with this album because it's just so much there's so much i love it about it i love the fact that it doesn't really feel like a band to me it feels like a ginormous group of people came together to make this beautiful tapestry of music it is a metal album but like It doesn't really feel like a metal album to me. It explores so much over the course of it that it just, even giving it a genre just feels wrong to me. I think 
probably the best way to approach this album and get a sense of what it is is just to start with the first track which is this hauntingly beautiful song that it doesn't really sound like everything on the album but it does create the atmosphere of mystery that is present throughout everything there's so much to to the way that this flows like the symmetry of this project of these two records and the ways in which like the a track that's in a certain position on one album bath for instance is like complemented musically and structurally by elements of the track in the same position on the other album like there's this immaculate sense of like design to this record to the point where like it feels so meticulously crafted that there's every second of this album drips with purpose it doesn't feel like there's any moment or element of this gigantic project that is extraneous or that is less than meticulously thought and each moment where the record kind of explodes into metallic bliss or into metallic infernal death doom is so in and of itself those moments are amazing and they're rendered immaculately and produced immaculately and they have a a genuine heft to them but they mean so much by the moments of tranquil beauty that they are surrounded by as well and frequently the line between the two extremes that is blurred throughout songs in this record one thing i love about it is that there are certainly moments on this project that are completely still and beautiful and tranquil and there are certainly moments on this record that are completely infernally loud and aggressive but the primary mode that i think most of these songs exist in is somewhere between the two where you're getting these moments of heft that arrive and then they kind of melt into these moments of beautiful bliss which then kind of builds and swells back into the heft again I think the record does this amazingly and most of its longest tracks and there is a sense of dynamics and a sense of constant forward motion that is utterly just transfixing it pulls you into these pieces and for me it makes spending two hours straight listening to this music incredibly easy and not just incredibly easy but like actively desirable at any given moment like it, you might I, I put this thing on and I might think I'm probably not going to make it through all two hours of this right now I just will probably end up doing something else and I just I don't I just listen to the whole thing because each moment of it you're on you're hanging on the edge of needing to get the next moment of needing to get the next counterpoint and you're being pulled through and one of the true strengths of the really long tracks on this record is the way that they maintain your attention the the way that they constantly uh, flow and shape and refuse to remain static I think that the opening track on Bath, the beginning of this entire sort of journey, is maybe the most masterful display of this because, again, it tells you a a perfect sort of layout for the whole two-hour experience you're going to get and that it has these dynamics of, like, incredible quiet at the beginning to rip-roaring heft by the end. And, yeah, that's kind of the, the general sort of feel of this record and the general uh tonal approach in terms of the diversity of of the sounds on this thing 
this sort of evades all of the lenses you view genre through and just kind of becomes this very like textural experience where everything just kind of hits you in a way where your body's just like, or like where your ears specifically are just like, oh, this isn't a, like, this isn't like a guitar. This is like your body's filtering this through nothing and just processing it as raw sound. All of the things that you normally have to, to understand like music and the, the rules that it normally abides by kind of dissipate at some point when listening to this. And again, that sounds like kind of pretentious and esoteric and weird, but like there has to be a point where you just take in the totality of something and you kind of surrender to it. And surrendering to this is, it's a journey, first of all. I didn't know that this was a double album or was supposed to be one album when I listened to it. I just listened to it as like the album Bath and the album Leaving Your Body Math Map when I first discovered it. And I liked both of them a lot. I still couldn't tell you then exactly what it was about it just because it was unlike anything I'd ever heard. And I mean, go back and watch Riley go through the discography of Dot, and he'll tell you there's no like the, the albums here. They don't like distinctly show a progression or anything. It's just constantly shifting musical priorities that don't like grow from one thing to another. It's just whatever the band happens to want to do, they just kind of do it. And the sensibility here is kind of like, I can just tell this is something made by a bunch of people who love making music and are, to boot, really fucking good at it. It, it exercises uh, one of my favorite sort of ways that this has been uh, described is Riley, who said this is like art school opeth. And like, yeah, basically... And what Morgan and I talked about in our Opeth video, when we talked about the entire discography of that band, is we talked about the sort of element of their music and what makes them unique is dynamic contrast. It's taking the most beautiful sound and the most hellishly noisy, intense, and serrating sound and combining them together in different ways to be able to achieve an effect that neither one of those things can do on their own. And this is like if dynamic contrast wasn't between two distinct poles, but was like a spectrum. And it's just like, here's this and how it compares against this and this and this and this, and you can just get lost in it all day. The way that this just kind of like, the first track on Bath kind of makes me think of something like Lips of Ashes on In Absentia by Porcupine Tree, where it's kind of just got that, like, you just sort of feel like the instrument being plucked is being plucked in the center of a vast chasm, and you're just kind of inside it. And then you sort of get the sort of different instrumental tonalities, and then eventually you get the fucking brass, and you're just like, whoa, okay, wasn't expecting this. And then the next song is just fucking, like, fiery death metal opethy riffs and like it's amazing how it's like this very avant art school sounding structured played thing but it also like all the singular parts of it are pretty accessible like if you were just like hey you person who enjoys death metal or progressive death metal specifically listen to this 
you'd probably get somebody be like, hey, this is a little weird. Uh, but you probably get somebody who, on the for the most part, enjoys it. Uh, you don't get something that's really distinct, like Opeth doing like their very dark folk kind of instrumental thing. Like you do kind of get moments here where the sort of everything slows down a lot, becomes really ethereal. I remember when I first listened to this, my preferred album was Bath. And if I had to say which one was my preferred side, that would probably be it just because I love the, just the, again, that kind of shifting intensities of going back and forth. But it, I just love how you're able to kind of linger in a lot of the density here. The the atmosphere is really why this album works for me the way that it does. And combining it together makes this a two hour listen that like, yeah, I get it. This is an avant, impenetrable, progressive, very difficult to pin down thing. This is also like two of the fastest hours of music I think I've ever experienced. Like, I really enjoyed these before. But now that I've grown as a listener and my patience is at an all-time high with art like this and that I can just kind of sit back and let this happen, listening to this with newer ears was like... Again, we often talk about how this podcast gives us an excuse to kind of revel in something or listen to something with like the the attention that we've always wanted to give something. And this kind of happened with me is that I knew I was like fond of this going in, but now this is something different. This is like this is like the the bitch's brew of progressive death metal. Like it, it becomes this pure exercise in sound and texture that it's it's unlike anything I've ever heard, even from this band. And it is just the fucking best. I I can't get enough of this. I think that like if it like th there aren't really issues I have with the album. It's more or less that it's just like stuff like the interludes or whatever that's not stuff that's gonna work for you like if you listen to them in isolation this is a holistic thing this is you have to put this all together that's why listening to them as two separate albums probably held me at a bit of a distance because the totality of this needs to be a bit appreciated i also just think the structure of it it feels if you just take the structure of each album it doesn't quite work as well as when you put them together when you have them on their own, they sort of each start and end at different places. And in a singular experience, it feels a bit too linear. Whereas here, everything feels a bit more up in the air. And I get that that might not be why, like, that might be what holds them at a distance. But I like how fully this commits to what it's doing, just because... I like when you're being like astral metal or whatever the fuck this wants to be, you got to go whole hog or not at all. You need commitment. If you do something like this, you make it a two hour dense, dark prog epic thing, or you don't do it at all because you're going to fail to achieve what you want here. I want to feel like I am, you know, floating through the cosmos and seeing all of existence. And by the time I get to about the middle of the first album that's about where i'm at but also there's like a, a a galactic like storm of cosmic debris that's like swallowing you and it's just like it's 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 like a it, it feels like there's a visualizer that comes in my brain when i listen to this shit and it sounds stupid all this sounds dumb but like just <laughs> hit a joint 
listen to this shit. Because I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> um, I'll speak on this aspect uh, for a second because I uh, I first heard this album yesterday, and you all have had it in your lives for some time, and I seem to be at least as far as the first handful of impressions go more lukewarm on it than you all uh that just means i think it's dope as hell um and not <laughs> like seeing the stars through my fucking bedroom ceiling while listening to it what i will say is as a critic as someone who's just analyzing something in some way you should try to approach everything on its own terms and this double album's terms are visualizers in your head and fucking tripping balls through the cosmos the comparison i thought of while really trying to nail down how to describe this uh was talk talk spirit of eden which i think is a definite precedent here for a lot of the dynamics of this record a lot of the way that this album uses space a lot of the way that this album, though much, though having giving the impression of something much more labored and meticulously constructed than Spirit, which itself is more labored and meticulously instructed than you might think, um, it, it has this sense of constant sort of forward motion through these incredibly sort of spacious landscapes where both the gentlest of textures and the most explosive and violent of textures can equally be used to kind of induce the mind into this sort of heavenly celestial experience where essentially forget about space. The, the point is that this is music made by channeling experiences of escaping your own body and it's music made to channel experiences of escaping your own body. It is music that is intended to allow you to escape your form for a little while. And there is this trajectory to the tone and the pacing of the album that I think reflects this. And that first half to me, Bath, is this languid and really sort of beautiful. Like, again, that title is quite evocative. It feels like being layered into a sensory deprivation tank where suddenly you're kind of floating and gravity has sort of stopped having some kind of control on you and you are less bound to the form that you're in while you're listening to it. It induces that state. And that's what's the beauty of Bath is that it is music that I believe to be made deliberately to induce that kind of formless state in terms of your conscious existence. And then leaving your body mat as a counter is crucial because Bath induces that state and then leaving your body mat as like a glorious soundtrack to exploring this new space that you get to exist in it is the heavier of the two for sure and i think part of that is in the sense that while bath is intended to induce the state of of kind of transcendence leaving your body map is about the glory of existing in that suspended transcendent state where you're no longer bound to your body, where you're no longer bound to the gravity of the earth, where you can essentially see these 
great nebula in the sky and you can kind of float through all of that and you can access this astral library where essentially you know all of art and all of expression is housed and can be accessed and so what's so important about these two albums being together is that if you're to treat this as a musical uh, representation of that experience you need to have both the transcending the body and you need to have both the exploration beyond the body and and that to me is what I know how I'm sounding but that to me is what the flow of this record induces is that it allows you to feel some kind of physiological change as you sink into it and then it allows you to just become something so much greater and grander and huger and less bound than you were initially and I think part of that like if its goal is to induce that experience, which I believe from what I've read based on things that Toby and um, Jason have said, I believe that is the goal. You understand then why the record needs to be as long as it is. You understand then why the record is formed and constructed the way that it is. And that to me is what's so beautiful about this experience. And it of course is reflected in the lyricism itself, which is often esoteric. You have songs on these records like The Ferryman on Bath, which feels like it's kind of evoking a journey through hell. Uh, you have like evocations of the river Styx in Greek myth. And there is a church organ. The church organ is, is super, it, it, super. It sounds like it's being played at the top of Mount Olympus. Yeah. Sound waves are being shot out of a cloud. And at the end of the song, you have like these kind of wailing, sort of like moaning sort of vocals that kind of feel like you're hearing like disp dispossessed souls. And so like, yeah, while I talk about transcendence and all of this kind of stuff, there's moments of this record that are genuinely terrifying as well. Like, and that's part of this incredible journey that the album takes you on. Okay. First, just to get away from like the lofty talking, just because that's the easiest way we can do that is because we're all a bunch of like literate nerds who like big words and big music. So it just kind of fits together. We also just need to, uh, to, to get to the, uh, the inevitable uh, point, which is that this shit rips. When this album is, this project, when this decides to just be like full on death metal mode, this is the best shit in the business. I mean, like comparing it to Opeth is right on the money just because that's the feeling it kind of evokes. It's definitely produced and mixed in a different way than the album. Again, I'm talking about that more textural thing. The, the way I can describe the way every instrument sounds on this album is that it's like, it's mixed and even like miked in a way that sounds like it's got like a little bit of reverb and it's always very intimately miked. So whenever these instruments play, they sound like they're instruments occupying a particular space, you know, like that you're hearing them from within a specific room or, or building or, or something that start to, when they kind of clash and move together, feel like they're evoking something that you can see. Your, your mind just kind of puts together what these spaces are. And there'll be interesting like ambient moments where it comes in. There's like these, you know, water sloshing, you know, you kind of get this feeling of like wading through something. And, you know, that sort of like internal journey this goes on, an album that this reminds me of in terms of that journey, not in terms of sound, but in terms of like the approach of 
taking everything and becoming so maximal in order to refine everything to such a like like a narrow point that you're able to to blossom and see the entirety of fucking existence is this album listening to it for me is a very similar experience to listening to one of my favorite albums of all time the mars volta's deloused in the comatorium yes. which i, I yes fuck okay then that makes me feel so much better about making this comparison because it kind of sounds like you know you've got the mars volta who were very post-hardcore very like even kind of mathy at points with some of their riffs and the way they approach sound and it's obviously like saying that anything is more direct than this it's just like yeah anything is more direct than this uh the mars volta is fucking carly ray jepsen compared to this but but that that sort of like it sort of evokes the kind of like the world inside the mind, the limitless possibilities of something you can see, um, like the 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 waves and ebbing and flowing of the the psychedelia of the 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 innermost depths of what you are capable of imagining is it, it, it's extraordinary. And the thing about it is, you could think that this is like vague. But it's extraordinarily vivid because of those extreme tonalities that it's sit in, those firing, intense riffs, or the moments when it slows down, it becomes like folky and acoustic and slow. I mean, take for a fact, like the one-two punch, which I think is so great after the sort of atmospheric swallowing of the blue ghost shedding quip quip off. I, I don't know how to fucking pronounce that. I'm not going to notice. Sure. Well, it's it's Thanks like a Lovecraft to name. Devil May Cry Five for that one. Oh, I should have gotten that. Anyway, the I mean, like it's got like a Lovecraftian fucking name, which is appropriate just because that's what this fucking music sounds like. But you get that sort of atmospheric tone setter, right? And then you get they aren't all beautiful. Which I mean, oh my fucking god, this is so hard. This is so fucking hard. And then immediately after that, you get Heaven and Week, which begins with this like plaintive, folky, almost medieval sounding like chamber folk. And it's just like, what? And then the interlude after that, too. It's just like, none of this sounds like it should be congruent. And honestly, I can't really explain why it isn't. But it's really in that all of these different parts, all these different genres, all these different instruments, they are applied, they are mixed, they are presented with the same level of inst intimacy and simultaneous expansiveness so that it's both incredibly direct, but the feeling it creates in you feels like it's bigger than your body can contain. So the more you listen to it, the more you can kind of understand and harness it. But at the same time, I feel like listening to this, like I, I could only listen to this in its entirety twice to prepare for this episode, but each time it was like a completely new emotional experience, which is the real reason I love this album is because it's incredibly emotionally vivid. And for something that's so expansive and something so broad in terms of music and sound, you could fear yourself of getting lost in it. Uh, that's a complaint I often see about stuff like Swans, where it often becomes so big and so large and so diverse that you kind of just find yourself adrift in it and you don't have much to latch on to. And I kind of understand that, even though I'm a big Swans fan. And here it's, again, the, the emotion of all of the playing, it's so refined, again, in a way that reminds me of something like th this is 
an incredibly similar experience that I have when I listen to the combined double album of Opeth's Deliverance and Damnation. It's obviously more scattered and weirder and I can, you know, grasp it a little less, but the exploration in contrast and the exploration in the kind of folds of facets in the way that this is so incredibly tuned to evoke a specific feeling in you, it's sort of like, I get the impression that I feel a very specific way about a specific song or a specific melody or a passage of lyrics, but somebody else listening to it could have a completely fucking different interpretation, meaning that is just as like vivid and potent to them as it is me, even though we could come away being like, ah, this makes me incredibly fucking sad or this makes me incredibly fucking hopeful. This is one of the best usages of that kind of dynamic that I've ever seen in music at this point i think it would be good to talk about let's talk about these two records separately and we can we've kind of talked about the holistic nature of them anyway and it's for the sake of being able to highlight individual moments and tracks and things that we love or things that we take away from these projects let's zero in on bath then uh, what are, I guess, some of you, what are some of the things about this record that really stand out for you guys, particularly Morgan and April, because you guys haven't spoken as much on this record yet. Uh, what are the immediate things that grab you about this particular album? The, the first track on here is my favorite on this half and probably my favorite on the whole album. You mentioned Spirit of Eden earlier and Laughing Stock came to mind multiple times during that song in particular, uh, primarily, I assume, probably just because I haven't heard Spirit of Eden yet. But still, that intro uh, flattened me. And then while I was laying flat on my back, uh, They Aren't All Beautiful we are came full. along and kicked me in the ribs until they broke. And... This is a problem I had with the most recent KO Dot album as well, is that I don't always like the mixing. The drums are really loud. Yeah. And perhaps this is just, you know, being new to the mind of Mr. Driver. And I just need some time to get used to it because I certainly will be coming back to this if for no other reason than to try and figure out what the hell is even there. Another album that I thought of uh, in in a similar sense uh, was another record club classic, uh, Julia Holter's Aviary. Um, yeah, totally. In the sense of, I want to I take just how, I wanna, let, let's see just how far I can take this whole sound thing. Uh, <laughs> There's about two songs, exactly two songs that I really want to highlight on Bath, though. The first being the already mentioned second track, They Aren't All Beautiful, which, spoiler alert, ranks very highly in my favorite tracks of this album. I should. have had the opening riff of that song stuck in my head since we started recording the podcast. It is insane. and Strapping Young Lad-esque frankly yeah actually which gets even cooler because about halfway through the song they just start doing these screams that are absolutely piercing and oh. devilish i don't know how that sound came out of someone's mouth 
Shout out Jason Byron, who does, um, I, I think, most of, if not all of the kind of like death metal growled, like really dissonant vocals on this, and is also the songwriter of this um, project and of KO Dot as well. He writes the lyrics and stuff, and, and Toby does more of the musical side of things. But um, there are points where Jason is going like full kind of like death metal growls, and Toby will be sort of backing him up with some kind of like more sort of... Uh, I guess eerie screams like Jason has this particular kind of like full throated um, voice that's really really good for that really ugly ugly uh, metallic stuff like it's quite interesting I said leaving your body map is the heavier record overall but I would argue that Bath has the heaviest moments and mm. none are heavier than they aren't all beautiful which is like straight death metal for a, a good chunk of the runtime of the song wires of demons the second track i want to highlight is the fairy man which has probably the most off-putting section on the record which is the minute of water ambience that happens at the end which i think i would find very off-putting if it weren't for the fact that it comes after one of the most extreme songs on the album i this song is fucking ruthless and the the fact that they put that water ambience at the end is thank god because you need a break after listening to this i was listening in preparation for the podcast and i was just like holy fuck i feel tired listening to this it's insane it's also (laughs) a good excuse to shout out as well the recurring vocal presence of one maria stella from oh who is the female vocalist on some of the songs on this record. Um, she doesn't appear a whole bunch, but when she does, she delivers these like incredibly operatic and sort of theatrical and incredibly powerful vocal performances. Um, again, not mixed as highly as some of the more aggressive parts of the music, but that almost gives them this particularly kind of spectral and haunting quality. Uh, they are really stunning on Ferryman and this song has a recurring melodic motif, which is fantastic. Uh, that organ passage slash part that decorates the entire song is incredible. The parts of the song where the guitars and the organ are kind of like harmonizing together around about six minutes in are unbelievable. And I think, April, to build on what you were saying as well, like that eerie sort of water splashing sounds and demonic cries at the end of the record at the end of the song do kind of like ease you out of this really intense soundscape without dropping the dread inducing feeling of it and it's a testament to the sequencing as well that you then get Marid's gift of art which is one a beautifully sort of soft and more like a moment of to breathe on this album before you get back to back two of the record's most incredible longer tracks uh, girl with a watering can and my personal favorite song on bath and very very close to being my favorite song on the entire project which is birth pains of astral projection these two back to back are unreal so watering can you have this clarinet solo that opens the track and 
again, just the textures that they use on this record as well. The, the, the horn and woodwind textures are super, super colorful. Again, this is where the Talk Talk Spirit of Eden comp comes in. And even like Mark Hollis's solo album, I think of it points in some of the quieter moments here. Um, but then you get it giving way to this kind of like lilting dreamlike post-rock. Uh, you have these gorgeous sort of Mellotron-esque synths. Uh, Maria Stella Fintulakis is back on vocals here as well. The song just builds and builds and gets more sort of aggressive and intense. And Birth Pains of Astral Projection, I can't describe to you what I experience when I'm listening to this track. Like if this record as a whole is like the transcendental, you know, body leaving experience of that the band are trying to create here, then for me, Birth Pains of Astral Projection is like the core part, the moment on the record where that really fully just like, yeah, there's heaps, like up until this point in the record, I've been fucking transcending, but here is where like, it's, you know, tool album art style, like fucking mind expanding um, stuff. And it's not even like remotely, one of the heavier tracks here in fact it's gorgeously dreamlike it has some really intense passages but it has among the most measured and uh satisfying musical progressions and builds of any track on this entire project it's gentle and gorgeous as it begins and then there's just this moment where this kind of like doomy loping bass pattern just starts coming, comes in and just completely changes the emotional tone of the song. And I just get shivers as soon as that happens every single time. And the song then kind of like iterates through this passage and gets darker and you have these more sort of colorful and wailing guitars that come through and you have an absolutely skin crawling solo walls of organ until this entire piece just absolutely climaxes brilliantly by its conclusion it is i think the longest song across this entire project and it absolutely doesn't waste a single second of it. It's the perfect example of how impactful this band can be, but also how sophisticated they can be in terms of the way they arrange these longer pieces to continually keep you interested and give you something to grab onto, but also really pull the rug out from under you when they want to. It's an utterly staggering piece of music, in my opinion. Some of these guitar passages, man, just it's like a fucking jump scare. Like, that's another part of this album that's really, like, you have to be, like, heightened and, like, anticipatory or else it is going to fucking scare you at points because you'll just be, like, kind of, it'll be, like, this kind of, like, chambery folk part and then all of a sudden it'll be, like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And you're just, like, whoa, fuck. Yeah, exactly. And then the record kind of leaves you in this more suspended but no less beautiful state with um, the last track of this first half, Geography, which is, again, guitar tones here, general, like, feel. This shit is utterly sublime. Like, to me, this is like a victory lap for this part of the record where, because Birth Pains, to me, is arguably the climax of this first half, but, but Geography, in tandem with the second interlude as well, gives you this kind of breathing moment to breathe and kind of just soak in the majesty of where this album has taken you by this point. And then you get into Leaving Your Body Map. And this is where Mordor of the Well kind of kick 
things up a notch not just necessarily in terms of like heft and loudness and intensity but in terms of like complexity and in terms of like holy what the fuck am i listening to with the first three songs on leaving your body man which i mean extended to the interlude three the first four songs on leaving your body map my favorite kind of like consistent sequence of music across this entire project is that like i don't know how long it is like half probably like 25 minutes of music maybe half an hour and it's some of the most unfriendly and most sort of like just totally uncompromising music across this entire project stones of october sobbing in particular is like really sort of avant-garde at certain points it has these sort of guitar tones and little sort of melodic refrains and it's, it's really dissonant it's really ugly it's really kind of difficult to wrap your head around but once you kind of get onto the level of that dissonance and you kind of like are more comfortable with it and with it not being the kind of typical melodic resolutions you would expect or want from metal or progressive metal then it becomes totally just completely transportative you have these flutes that kind of echo and through it that are sometimes pleasant that are sometimes really shrill and ugly you have just genuinely creepy sort of moments and electronic textures and vocal passages so much happening here that is so difficult to like fully comprehend and i think is importantly placed here at the start of leaving your body map as maybe the most disorienting track on this entire project truly you have been transcended from your form by bath and here you are like your fucking third eye is opening and you're like thrown into this kind of abyss of of space and of stars and of fires and of possibility it's something to behold it's like a weird electronic beeping that happens in the first like and like the three-fourths of the way through stones of october sobbing and it's like by then when you have half of this entire project behind you these musical ideas that are just so gonzo and bug nutty you're just like yeah that's that's about right you just kind of like everything that comes in feels natural you've been like properly and adequately conditioned and prepared to be able to kind of just accept whatever bug nutty shit they decide to throw at you which i mean putting the more enveloping album before and then putting you into the more difficult and kind of wiry one is the way to go with something like this but it's like that's i think part of what this is the reason that it held me at such a distance when i listened to it before it's because if you start off this experience with stones of october sobbing you're just like that wait a what the fuck and it's just it's so disorienting and so dizzying and so complex and and weird and you're just kind of like i i don't know what's happening but when you have the precedent it just kind of makes sense yeah and then you get what is in my opinion like a, a kind of emblematic song for this project like it's almost like their single the single of this album because it's kind of like a shorter runtime and more immediate which is gleam and ranks uh I mean, you have a lot of long form metal on this album that is taking you through all of these different passages and places and exploring all of these different ideas. 
And then very occasionally you'll have a song like Gleam and Ranks, which condenses all of that to four or five minutes and just pummels you all throughout. To me, it's iconic and one of the most yes. immediately gripping songs across this entire project. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are some of the standouts for you guys on this particular half of the record? Or how do you feel about this half of the record compared to the first half of the album? I feel like bringing up those first four songs is great of you because that's what I was also going to do, especially Interlude 3, which is just a magical song. Spoiler um, alert, Interlude 3 is my favorite piece of music on this entire project. Not surprising. I don't blame you. Every <laughs> Those four songs in order are just shocking because every song I listen to, I'm like, how can this get better? I don't think it's going to get better. And then I get to the next song. It's like, holy fuck, it got better. And then it's like, holy fuck, it got better. Three times over. Listening to this album has almost kind of become a ritual for me. I don't really consume it as one two-hour experience anymore. There's, I have some days where I wake up and it's just, I know it's a modulin of the well day. So <laughs> in the morning, I put on Bath. And I listen to Bath throughout all the morning. And then I get home and I put on Leaving Your Body Map. And after a long day, trying to just wrap my head around leaving your body map at night has become an almost religious experience for me. It's genuinely magical. I have a lot of love for this album because of that. It provides me a lot of comfort. Yeah, I mean, that, again, as I say, that run of music that opens this half of the album is so, like, just defiantly esoteric, but also, like, gripping in some of its textures. A big highlight also is maybe the most sort of malformed, but I don't mean that in a bad way, but the most kind of like just what at any given moment, <laughs> which is Bizarre Flowers slash A Violent Mist. Oh, which, I fucking love this song. Yeah, I mean, yes. The first half of this is bug nutty. I mean, that word's already been used, but like that that's so what this is. It is just crazy you have these epic sort of metal metallic riffs you have church bells that yeah. come through in this half of the song you have it eventually kind of just devolves into a puddle of noise and these kind of like metallic textures there's elements of funk that come through in the middle part of the song that just absolutely bewilder me and then the second half of the song just turns into the most sick prog shit you've ever heard in your fucking life um maybe my favorite guitar solo of all time is the one that occurs about seven minutes into this song and it just scrapes and stretches and melodically whines and wheezes for a minute straight and it's absolutely fucking insane shout out incidentally obviously there are multiple uh, members of this band who play guitar but Greg Massey, the primary guitarist in this band, the one who I believe is responsible for most of the guitar work. I don't know if anyone who knows is watching, feel free to correct me, but I'm going to assume that Massey is responsible for this solo, in which case, holy shit, dude. What, what kind of big brain bullshit are you on my man like what what you must have gone to the fucking astral library and you must have fucking like you you must have just fucking read every motherfucking book in that astral library you must have brought back all of that knowledge to lay it down into one minute of a guitar solo that just 
just completely rearranges my DNA. This transes my gender, uh, Mr. Well. What? It definitely does feel like a sort of doubling down on everything explored in the first half. That's really the only thing I can think of uh, to separate it from its first half because it really does feel like you know, it feels a bit like splitting bitches brew in half as a release. Um, and it just, it's, it's so of one unit to me, but the only thing I can think of to really differentiate it is just how much everything is kind of more on leaving your body map. And for that reason, and also because it's just further into the album. And by this point, I'm, fatigued i am more i find myself more drawn to bath i find it to be a bit more direct and sort of tangible for me but i also see where like that indirectness and that intangibility is precisely the appeal absolutely and for all this talk of of manic insanity like, again, just like, just as Bath has some of the record's most intense and heavy moments, despite generally being a bit more sort of moderate in terms of how it negotiates the sonic spectrum, if you like, Leaving Your Body Map also has some of the gentlest moments on this entire record, also has some of the most conventionally beautiful music here, and it's well strategically placed as well to give you a break from the insanity already mentioned and alluded to is interlude three which i will double down on saying is my favorite piece of music here certainly the thing i've listened to the most it is just an utterly gorgeous piece of music the way it begins with the simple sort of acoustic guitar refrain that's then eventually joined by these sort of wheezing strings and uh, little sort of tom drums or, or bongo drums that are hit with the hand and these kind of flute parts that come in, clarinet, whatever, and it just swells. And it has this little melodic resolution to it that's so, like, fucking beautiful. It, it's hard for me not to get overwhelmed with emotion listening to it. And it feels like such a, a comfort after the storm of the things that immediately precede it. Likewise, um, Another of the most beautiful moments on this record is the sort of centerpiece track of this album, which is Sleep is a Curse. Uh, a gorgeous showcase for the vocals of Toby Driver. And I think the sole track on this record that he wrote the lyrics for, as opposed to Jason Byron, it is an utterly gorgeous little piece of minimal sort of folk music that has that kind of atmospheric sound of the rest of the album baked into it. And this gorgeous little swelling section at the end of the song where it kind of gets larger and more sort of assisted and less spare and you kind of feel this hefty resolution to it without it ever getting like heavy it's i i I can't tell you the the emotions and the feelings that go through me when i listen to this song if we're talking about favorite moments i think this kind of segues into uh my favorite moment well i mean (laughs) it's the second half of the record i'm counting it which is my favorite moment on this part, which is the final track, Secret Song, which is, I mean, the singularly most titanic piece of music on here that, like, it starts off sounding like, honest to God, it sounds like Death Heaven, 
And then it started, it sort of like becomes something more traditionally proggy and kind of like death metal-y. And then it transitions into becoming like an acoustic thing. And then it does all three of those things at the same time for a little bit. And then some like horns come in after that. And you're just kind of like, whoa. And this kind of distant sounding, just absolutely shrill gets progressively louder and louder in the mix you just kind of like you just sort of hear them distantly and it's like oh and then they kind of kind of gets like louder but it still sounds more distant it just gets louder and louder and louder and louder as it progresses and it's just so unsettling when you have this kind of like it develops into this bright kind of horn laden upbeat part in the middle and then just distantly you've got this is a good point at which to mention because Secret Song is, I, I entirely agree, like an absolute standout of this project, but it actually wasn't released on the original album. And Secret Song was released a few months after the two albums, which came out together on the same day, I think in August of 2001. And Secret Song came out four months later and it was released as a clue to the puzzle of this album. There are buried deep within the sounds and lyrics of Secret Song are clues to the puzzle of this album. And I'm not going to go too in-depth with the puzzle of this album because if you want to learn about it and you want to see how it was potentially almost solved, then there's a fantastic YouTube video that I highly recommend. I'll make sure there's a link to it in the description of this video. Absolutely go and watch that once you've heard this record because it's as good an explanation of this puzzle as any. But essentially what Secret Song does is it provides you with hints towards particular lyrics or ideas across the album wherein a secret message can be found which forms a poem about, which essentially based on the information we have about it, is a nice neat little encapsulation of the freedom and kind of liberation that comes with being freed from your form with being freed from solely existing within a singular sort of traditional state. I mean, we recently watched slash reviewed the new Matrix movie and, and we all love that film. And one of the things that obviously the Matrix movies have always been about is this idea of realizing and coming to experience a liberation through a new world of existence that's kind of been suppressed from you or that you weren't kind of aware of for whatever reason. And I feel like Morlin of the Well is a musical project and this album as a whole, it's kind of got a similar sort of theme. It kind of has a similar sort of idea of escape and of the limitless potential of a human being, of a person, of the mind essentially. And of, it's not necessarily about like, accessing the astral fucking library and learning how to fucking travel the plane necessarily but that's just one manifestation of the core sort of theme and idea of the album which is that there's more possibility in you than you may realize there is more to the world around you than you typically see when you just pay basic attention to what's happening when you really look beyond what's right in front of you whether that's literally or metaphorically in any given day or situation you can see, you start to see more and you start to be conscious of more and i think that this whole record and this whole project is a testament to and a desire to impart upon the listener the imperative to 
be more conscious by essentially being less conscious. And it's a really sort of beautiful idea or a really sort of beautiful way of, of seeing the world or, or, or of learning to live more freely in a world that's kind of constantly imposing darkness and ugliness and, and shit in your face all of the time. I think maybe that's part of the reason why I've come to respond to this more and more and more as, you know, the current situation of the world kind of goes on and on and on for longer and longer and longer. And the more and more I come back to this, the more and more it genuinely does feel like an escape in some way that's actually physiologically tangible for me. It's not just like, oh, I'm listening to beautiful music and I'm not thinking about the shit that's happening around me. It's both that I'm listening to music, not less, not aware, less aware of the shit that's happening around me, but it's also that I'm being taken in some way within my head to some new place where I don't have to ignore any of that stuff because it's not a part of my conscious experience anymore. And that's probably why this has become one of my 10 favorite albums of all time. That's where it is now. Um, I've listened to this all two and two and two plus hours of this twice in the last 12 hours. And I am I'm not more certain of anything at the moment than it's I am. Good many hours. I'm not more certain of anything at the moment than I am that this is absolutely as much a pinnacle of art as any of my top echelon, you know, favorite things. And I will be coming back to it for years and years and years to come uh, for both comfort, for an escape, and for my mind to be challenged more and more and to, to keep myself alive in basically every fundamental sense that you can. Yeah. yeah that about sums her up. Favorite tracks and ratings for. And I think we'll just treat this as one whole thing and let's not bother yeah. rating it individually because I feel like they would all come out pretty similarly anyway. My three favorite tracks across the whole project, I'm going to say The Ferryman, Birth Pains of Aspiration, and Secret Song. Um, my least favorite is like... I don't feel bad about picking an interlude here because they're way more substantive than any other interludes in, in, in music. So frankly, I treat them as songs. And to me, the only one that rapturing as the other ones are would be uh, Sigil Interlude 2. Um, I like it. It's good. It ain't, it ain't, you know, blowing my mind to nothing. I, I like it a fair deal. But... Overall, uh, the project as a whole, it's like, this is sort of a, a preparatory rating, I think, just because I need to listen to this more. But at the same time, it's a lot of time to devote to this, but I want to because I do love it. Uh, I'm going to have a tentative 9.5 out of 10. My three favorites are the Blue Ghosts slash Shedding Clyfoth, uh, Monstrously Low Tide, and girl with a watering can and i will give this for for now you know might be different sometime down the road an eight out of ten hot april my three favorite tracks are they aren't all beautiful 
um, bizarre flowers slash a violent mist. And I have the fairy man written down, but really it could go either way between that and interlude three. I think they're both equally masterful and excellent. And I feel like my, my whole segment was basically me saying, I love this album so much. I don't know how to talk about it. And I still kind of undersold how much I love this album. Um, Riley is not the only person on the podcast who has this in their top 10 of all time. This is also probably in mine. I am giving this the tennis of tens. It is one of my favorite albums ever made. I am going to do three for each half of the record because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, My three favorites on... Yeah, my three favorites on Bath are Shitting Clifoth, Birth Pains of Astral Projection, and The Fairy Man. My three favorites on Leaving Your Body Map are Interlude 3, Gleam and Ranks, and (sighs) Stones of October Sobbing. Um, And Secret, Secret Song is also in the, yeah. In there too. Uh, least favorite track is um, <laughs> and it gets a it gets a 10 from me, and that gives it an average of 9.4. Let us know what you think of Maudlin of the Well of this project. Is it your favorite project that Maudlin slash KO have done? Uh, how do you feel about it overall? What are your more specific thoughts? Any reaction that you have, any thoughts that you have on anything that we've said or anything that you feel about this project please let us know in the comments below we love getting your comments we love seeing every single one of them and if you want to chuck a decent comment in there and and talk about uh your interpretations or whatever we'll be sure to read and reply to it too if you enjoyed the video please consider giving it a like if you like what we do and you're not already subscribed to the channel please consider doing that also if you want to go the extra mile and support us for just a very small fee of one dollar per month you can hit the join button and get entitled to perks such as priority replies in our comments and getting your name featured in every single video we put on this channel and that is about it As always, folks, rock over London, rock on Chicago, PlayStation, live in your world, play in ours. That's that's us.